You're listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Greetings, and welcome back to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine, especially if you're a first-time listener. Welcome to the podcast, whether you're a 200th time visitor or the very first time. My name is Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Jonathan Cohn of YouTube fame. Today, we are discussing the season finale of the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series, the TV show which has been universally loved and received no criticism whatsoever. <laughs> well, I wish that were the case. <laughs> Going into this series, we we had lots of we had lots of expectations and it was a it was a common thread that this show might receive a level of scrutiny that would make it difficult for it to meet everyone's expectations. And mm-hmm. that turned out to be the case in a lot of ways, but Man, was there some great stuff. There was also lots to criticize, but overall, <clears throat> would you say, Jonathan, you're glad we got this series? Oh, yeah. So glad. I'm glad for any, I'm any, so glad. any material. I, for, I didn't for love Star everything, Wars. but mm, I, the parts that I did love, mm. I can just take those and enjoy those so, so much. Um, yeah. I didn't love everything about it. And even like in Mando season two, I know you didn't love the spiders episode. Um, I loved no, every. Still, actually, it, I mean, like in retrospect, I still think the spiders episode is a solid episode. It's just not. You will never ooh. go back and watch it again, is what you say. I will never go back and watch it again. <laughs> you are arachnophobic, sir. Um, or at least if they're giant. I mean, I would assume. Yeah, that. if they're giant. <laughs> I would assume so. So, yeah, we have lots to talk about. This is a the season finale. It was a little bit longer run time than last week. Uh, I think about. 50 minutes of, of material and then credits after, um, not the hour and a half that people were talking about. It could have been, um, cause of there was this a Q and a, but, uh, go ahead. This is what's interesting, which is that, you know, Netflix figured something out with stranger things. They said, okay, ah, people mm. want longer episodes. And so not only did they do longer episodes for the first seven, but for the last two, they did like two hours each mm. and it was like a movie each and boy were people so excited they were so energized at the idea of getting these longer episodes no spoilers now Plus, okay i i just I don't, watched i don't watch oh, okay i don't watch uh, uh stranger things <laughs> oh, so okay uh but yeah you're right saying, good I, point no it's it's an observation and, with and, the length and in disney plus across the board across the board every single series has had this shortened runtime. Uh, I don't know of any episode that has gone above an hour in length. Um, they've all been significantly under. Even Game of Thrones learned this. Um, most Game of Thrones episodes were like an hour and 10 minutes, and then towards the end, they were like an hour and 40 minutes. So, you know, there's, when you have such short episodes, it it creates the expectation that you got to fill in so much into those episodes. And when you don't, people are like, why did I, like, I, I invested my emotion into this and you only gave me 30 minutes 
and there's mm-hmm. only 10 minutes of stuff in that 30 <clears throat> minutes that I liked, mm-hmm. it's naturally going to produce. But if you have like an hour and a half long episode and there's not as much that you love, but because you're getting so much, you feel like they've been able to do more, even if they don't actually do more. Mm. So well, that show uh, also had that, an issue. Like Game of Thrones, man, there was so much criticism about travel times, and in one episode, a character yeah. would be in like four different places that were particularly months in the of last travel apart. Yeah, and once they started yeah. lengthening the episodes, they had to do less of the whole. Well, this episode they can be here, and then they travel, and next episode they'll yeah. be there. Star Wars has light speed, so it's a little bit easier. Um, but it did yeah. occur in t- in this particular episode one moment. Um, where during the fight or during the chase anyway with, you know, Reva chasing Luke and like Obi-Wan's still on another world fighting Vader at that moment. Like, how's he possibly going to get to the, you know, to the basically to Reva in time? And uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know that that felt contrived to you, but I was like, hmm, the timing of this is a little bit off. Um, Man, my uh, issue was actually uh, with the cutting of the of the scenes. Which yeah, is, yeah, yeah. you know, no, George Lucas was a masterful cutter. So masterful. Of, Return of the Jedi. So particularly, think Return of the Jedi is right the one that everyone the points to. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Also, Indoor, I mean, back to Phantom, Vader and Phantom Emperor. Menace. Yes, same thing. Phantom Menace uh, is good at this. And then uh, it doesn't really happen in Attack of the Clones, but it does happen really well in Revenge of the Sith. And then in the new regime, uh, the inner cutting wasn't as good. Except, I would say the intercutting in Rogue One was really close to the way that Lucas would have done it. Um, uh, Solo didn't have it. They tried in, in Rise of Skywalker. It, the the intercutting just doesn't work as well. Right. Um, there uh, neither the does it to the characters. Yeah. yeah. It, yeah. And neither does it in uh, Last Jedi because there isn't because it's all one big big storyline that you're following. There's not intercutting. Mm-hmm. So they, they, that is one area that they've had to struggle. And when it worked in Rogue One, boy, did it work. The last act of Rogue One is yeah. like yeah. everyone's favorite act of the, of the Disney era. Um, uh, mm. It's really good. And the TV shows up until this point have been like Mando or Boba Fett where they've been focused on one character. And this Kenobi as well, too. But because they made the decision to have two different lightsaber battles, in quotes, lightsaber mm-hmm. battles at the same time, they had to intercut them together well, so it was, as not to... <laughs> what was it? And Beru it just, and, and Owen, like... Beru just, and <laughs> Owen. And then Owen with, like, a, you know, a metal pole trying to fight off Reva with a lightsaber, you know. A lightsaber. Um, I mean, I, I, have to, I, I admire their gumption. I, I really like the... Uh, I like that Beru's just ready. She's just like, uh, come at me. Uh, oh, yeah. I I, I, like, I, I like admired her. The portrayal from both actors, very very well done, and mm-hmm. the the problem was just there's no suspense around Luke, and we talked about this with Leia. There's no suspense around her either. So whenever we put you know him in this dangerous situation, we know he's going to be okay. And when you're cutting away from a fight between Vader and and Obi Wan, which is you know we'll get to, but. That does not serve the scene with Obi-Wan and, and Vader whatsoever. Nope. We, we cut from tension to non-tension. And even though we know the outcome of Vader and Obi-Wan won't, won't be definitive for either side, it's meaningful yeah. because of the character interactions. And, you know, we want to see, you know, what, you know, what revelations and recontextualizations will the dialogue give us. So that just, you're, you're totally on the money. And, and I felt the whole time like, 
Let's get back to this. And in rewatches, I'm like, rewatch, rewatch. Oh, okay. Skip a little head. Okay. We're back to it now, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> and, and that's, <laughs> and I actually think the intercutting is a little bit better in, um, uh, chapter five. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's not as much, but it's on a smaller scale. And I think it's more effective because it's, it's, uh, Obi-Wan and Leia that you're intercutting between. And you feel very attached to Leia in this series because they've built that up. They didn't spend the time with Luke. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, Luke's here. Okay, I guess we're spending a lot of time focusing on him in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wish that we had. I, I, um, I, I didn't get any connection to him. The, no problem with the actor himself, but the actor that played him probably wasn't given much to work with. I thought... What if they had given Luke more time and taken a little bit away from Leia so that we have a character moment that's actually building Luke's character with Reva, where he can talk, where he can stand up, where he can talk about and just have some brief flashes of the Luke that we see in A New Hope. Just a brief flash of skills. I even made a comment to you that um, with the portrayal of Leia being that she's very good at lots of skills, um, very, very good, you know, kind of like Ray. The, the thing is, like, if they had treated Luke that way, then he could have, like, with a wounded, like, Reva coming at him, he might have even, like, found a way to, like, knock her out or beat her himself using right. his surroundings, using his knowledge of Tatooine, knowledge of that, and a little help from the Force. So yeah. that would have been that would have been kind of cool and a little bit of a, well, he's 10. How did he do that? Yeah, I'm okay with it. Whatever. I, uh, <laughs> I would not, if, if I was the writer, I would not have even used... The the Baru homes the 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 um the Lars homestead at all I would have <clears throat> instead had the battle between uh, Obi Wan and um, uh, Vader and then have Reva show up at that battle but fight both of them and so basically you remember how absurd the um uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean two fight is when it's the three of them fighting each other. Um, mm. I think if they'd done a serious version of that here, I mm. would have. That would have been really cool. I might have played uh, on Luke's piloting skills. You could have like had him with a speeder or something like that, and just that get also into it. Better. And like you know, he's he's running away from her, and she's gets a speeder too. Uh, I don't know, but that would have been a cool any anything to develop Luke's character, which. Unfortunately, that's why we weren't invested in this scene. Is there's not as much people caring about Reva. You you yourself have said you have no opinion on her. You take it and care. leave it. <laughs> you know. Um, I I do have one good thing to say, which is they the problem that Star Wars has had is they have a habit of redeeming characters and then killing them off instantly. Mm-hmm. And I agree. It makes sense thematically why they've been doing that. Because it is when when a character has committed such atrocities, it is very hard for the audience to forgive them. They can forgive them for like a split second, but to say, "All right, now they're going to go on and be a main character in the series," like it would have been very tough to see Vader. Kylo Ren, to see Ben, well, or uh, it would have been Vader. We don't for for Sorry. Ben. I I really wish we had, and we've talked about. I this. wish we had. It would have yeah. been hard for them to write it, maybe because they would have been had, hard. They would have had, you know, obviously some people that are like, "How are you presenting him now as a good guy?" I'm like, because that's what redemption is, and he's going to yeah. spend the rest of his life, 
He doesn't get the easy road. He doesn't, you know, just die after five seconds after he turns good. He has to go and prove himself and sacrifice and literally feel the guilt. Oh, yeah. Bear bear all of the weight answered to the people whose lives he took or to the families Mm -hmm. of them. He has to, you know, those are all of the things that would have been especially meaningful to see and an uh, easy, easy jumping off point that would have had fans going, when is episode 10? But now we don't, yeah, we don't exactly. really. Yeah. So with Reva is your point that, well, at least she's out there and could redeem herself. Well, uh, they, they kind of, they kind of, they did the, they did the start is they did the establishing. Okay. She's remorseful. Obi-Wan has the conversation with her. If this was any other Star Wars project, she would have died right then. Mm. And he would have been like, you can pass in peace or something. But they didn't. They, this, is, this is a tough road to walk. And this is going against the grain of how Star Wars traditionally does things. So I quite like that. Even though I don't care about her character at all, I like that from a production standpoint, they actually decided to keep the character alive. And so... I don't necessarily think using her in a season two is the best idea, but putting a novel with her in it or a comic series, I think that that would uh, be a good way and have her have to go and atone, as you were talking about how Ben could have atoned. I think that that would be a really, really compelling story. Um, So they're at least leaving their options open here. Right. Also loose end, kind of, but, you know, it's, it's possible they have a plan. And maybe we'll see that if they kind of leave it like some of the you know solos things that kind of questions raised. Yeah, maybe they'll get to those things later, but it's not unheard of for them to set up things and then and then leave them. Um, beginning of the episode, I had a big question about how she got from one planet to the other. I uh, wish that they had answered that. Uh, I also had questions about how she kind of survived. the The wound looked pretty serious. Uh, a lightsaber We've, wound. People have uh, <laughs> people have uh, survived worse lightsaber wounds. So, and and Qui Gon did not uh, survive that same lightsaber wound. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but he's instant, also much older. Instant dead. Uh, well, after about four also the seconds. story needed. We needed him to be dead. Um, <laughs> sadly. Yes. 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 We'll talk about him later. Um, so. <laughs> Apart from, like, there are a lot of obvious things to critique about this, but let me tell you some of the things that I liked. So, the biggest, best thing this show as a whole did for me, um, and I, I love James Earl Jones' voice, but he has gotten old, and we got old old James Earl Jones in, you know, Rogue One, his voice. Rogue and, One, which um, I loved it, but well, I, I mean, I still, like, I still like it, and I like his portrayal, but um, the voice was so, so good. All through this show, especially yeah. this episode, um, and it did not sound to me computer generated, even though I've. It's most likely it was because the tone of it fit every scene, mm-hmm. especially like there was way more of him getting angry or frustrated um, or just really determined this episode than there was in other scenes or episode, other episodes. So there was a little bit of that. You know, he got mad, but. Seriously, he's, you know, he's, so he's on his Star Destroyer and he's like, intensify forward, you know, uh, yeah. forward battery. Um, and we get some great throwback, you know, the soundtrack in this episode. 
much better. Much, much better. <laughs> it, it still could have had some more throwbacks, but we get our MPO March. Yep. We got our, it was um, a little bit of New Hope, you know, spaceship battle music. Mm-hmm. We got so we got some good quotes. And the ending, of course, back to obviously Lucas's new Kenobi thing. But the Vader stuff, oh my gosh, his voice. I just love the portrayal of Vader. I think he was awesome throughout all of this. They didn't undermine or question anything about him. But, mm-hmm. man, I was shocked by their portrayal of Obi-Wan right here. This whole, like, the, the, the you know, him kind of hanging in there with Vader. I was like, oh, wow, this is really impressive. I'm surprised he's able to hang in there with Vader. But, man, when he kind of gets his Force power upgrade, like a, you know, Super Saiyan go in there for a second, like, oh, my gosh, the, the you know, he tears Vader apart. Um, yeah. <laughs> did you see, by the way, I saw a meme that was... Um, Ahsoka, she slices off the, the right side of Vader's helmet. Obi-Wan yeah. slices off the left side of his the helmet. The left. But only, <laughs> but only Luke was able to take his helmet off. <laughs> and that's, what, that's finally, what finally broke through to save him. Neither, <laughs> neither Ahsoka nor Obi-Wan could fully... They, they both had to fight to take his mask off, and Luke simply removed it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. It was, it was a beautiful um, comparison there. I, uh, I, I, I did, uh, kind of find it funny that he, he leveled up so fast, but mm-hmm. some people have used the phrase, uh, riding a bicycle, which I get. Um, uh, and you know, in last Jedi, Luke levels up really fast, but because he uses such intense force powers, like his, you is using the projection in last Jedi is so powerful that that's what it's basically like, you can use this power, but as soon as you're done using it, it's going to knock you out and kill you. Whereas here, it's he's he leveled up, but not that much. Uh, it's not a crazy amount. It's it's a doable amount. Um, and I've always found that they tone down the force powers in the live action compared to the force powers in the animation and in the comics. So if they were like Vader is nowhere near as powerful here as he is in the comics. So to me, seeing him as powerful as he is doesn't bother me. Same with Obi-Wan in the, in the books and comics and in the Clone Wars TV show, he's much more powerful. His, his ability to force jump, it's in, incredible. Well, yeah. So for, that's why for me, it doesn't bother me that he a lot can of the athleticism. level up this fast. Well, what we, what we saw too was a lot of care was taken to give us the fight we'd been looking for. Like yeah. in terms of uh, discussions about how hungry we were, since the sequels didn't really give us a like prequel style lightsaber duel, um, so right. we got two. We got we got obviously the flashback sequence, but mm-hmm. right here it was the whole idea that now we have to take Vader, and we have to say, this is how Anakin fought. Vader can't fight that way. Here's how Vader fights. He's v- much slower, but much stronger. He's got you know yeah. he's got to make the most of his swings. He uses the Force a lot more than Anakin did with stopping blades and things like that. He limits his movements so much more, but Obi-Wan is still going to be fighting that old style and lots of spins and twirls and yeah. things. So you got to see like a halfway point between Vader doing the slow. He's always just kind of like walked in and like slashed at people, you know, but here yeah. you see this kind of hybrid and I thought it was really beautifully analyzed and choreographed and done. Super enjoyed mm-hmm. it uh, multiple times. If we're going to watch that scene, 
and <clears throat> well, it's kind of broken up, like we said, with transitions yeah. back to Tatooine. I'm like, just edit it all into one thing for me. That's what I would like to Which, see. And <laughs> even if they did that, I would still be frustrated because they still use shaky cam in that scene. Oh, I know. Oh, oh it has man, been just like, like trashed every episode. Yes. And I'm talking like just people who are not Star Wars fans who are just like, this is not how you do good camera work. Like they're literally yes, laughing like, at not like anything about Star Wars. They're just like, uh, not a good camera shot. It like the first five seconds of the first episode, right when the clones come in and the and the you know all the young yeah. are in there hiding, right? The yeah. first scene, shaky cam, ah! and everybody's like, oh, that scene's still bad. And it's not because of anything of Star Wars. It's like, well. It's just bad cinematography. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, the, it, at least you have a pretty long shot there, and it makes sense. In the first episode, I'm okay with the shaky cam because it's supposed to be disorienting. Oh, my goodness, the, the clones are here. Like, the Jedi don't know what to do. Like, that at least makes sense. Like, you can... There is a place for shaky cam, and I would say that first episode, that first opening scene, which I still think is an amazing scene, but here, it just, it, it's not necessary. It's, it's, it, it doesn't work here. Um, or in the scene with Reva, and it's, I, I think it really is that, uh, I just really think that Deborah Chow likes having the camera on her shoulder and likes being able to, to see it that way. Because um, Gareth Edwards was like that, not as much, but he was like that. But it's like, I, I want to go back, I really want to go back and rewatch her Mandalorian episodes, but I think that this has shown that I can take a small dose of Deborah Chow's style, but I can't take, you know, a whole six-episode series. You know what I could By take the a whole second ago? Was, uh, Bryce, Dallas, Bryce Dallas Howard style. Bryce Dallas Howard style. The mm. Heiress, episode three of season two. Oh, my gosh, Manda. Like, you remember the scene, the way she tilted the camera when they're on board the uh, spacecraft and they're yeah. attacking it from the outside? Mm-hmm. She has so many of the like most uh I think they're kind of forward thinking, you know, modern techniques, but she uses them so adeptly. And it's, you know, obviously yeah. it's not like Grief Karga's style of directing when he, you know, he was he was very old school. But that was yeah. just that was kind of like, okay, well we get a different director up as the episode and it balanced out. And we all had our favorite, mm-hmm. but yeah. I agree with you. Deborah Chow, and, and I think there's so many good points, so like, I guess oh, we're yeah. being critical. Um, my opinion is I would have liked less of the shaky cam, more smooth, a lot more transitions, even some, even some pan transitions that Star Wars style is familiar with. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, looking I, back, I, uh, it's easy to critique. I saw, one, I saw one post that said, what we need is an adaptation of the book um, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, where she's like 15, 16. Um, but you get Bryce Dallas Howard to direct that, and you get uh, this girl in a couple of years uh, when she grows up a, f- a few more years older. Hmm. And I was like, ooh, I'd be interested, because this is a good book, but I'd be interested in that type of a thing, give her a f- six, eight-episode thing, which that also, by <clears> the way, that goes into it is that Disney Plus has been doing six episodes for their like standalone shows. They've been doing six episodes mostly. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian had eight, but that was the uh, that was the exception. And doing six episodes, it's just not enough to really create a long term 
uh, impact on the fandom. You really need more episodes. Like I think they, I think television should go back to ten. I think ten when because we we, ha- we were at twenty two, which was too much, and then they shortened it to ten, which was fantastic. And then we shortened it to eight, and now to six. Well, ten, like, twenty two for me. Like I think about like TV shows like Smallville. Okay, early two thousands, mid two thousands. Yeah. Mid-2000s, yeah. Ended around 2010. Every season was 22, three episodes. You're right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. hour long episodes. Well, 50 minute runtime. 50 minutes. Yeah. Right. And then you got. I mean, I think in those there are some duds, but I would love. Yeah. I would love 15 of those every season. You know. Yeah. That for me was a good length. And when you shave off and take it back to 12, I'm a little bit sad. 10, I'm like, oh no. But six, I'm like, you hardly six, get to tell your just... story. Now. 30-minute TV shows, Clone Wars, etc., it needs to be 20. It needs to be at least 20. Oh, yeah. For, for those 30 And that's minutes. why Bad Batch was, like, I think, like, 16, 17. That worked perfectly. I could have done, um, done eight more, but still. Yeah, 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 still. But it's, it's still, it was still really good. Um, but at this point, like, because they just did six, at, at that point, I'm now, I'm now starting to get into the camp of, I'd just rather a movie at that point. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, I almost wonder if they could have done it, like, Instead of six, do like four. And I feel like they could have dialed it, cut it down even further, and just gave us the stuff that they really wanted for this. If they just wanted to like take out all filler completely. But think about like, obviously, if they had, you know, drawn this out to 10 or 12, then the Kenobi story would have been totally different. But we would have gotten to see such uh, things like the training montage for, for Kenobi to get back his. Mojo before yeah, he yeah. fights Vader to prepare himself. Mm-hmm. We would we would probably get the development for Luke that we wanted, and yeah. definitely we could have gotten more flashback scenes showing us why and who Reva and how she's been, how she's been obsessing for years, and more of the other Inquisitors. We didn't really see, um, <clears throat> I guess it was fifth brother and then sixth sister, too much after yeah, like the second third episodes. We just little flashes of them. They might have been episode fours too, but yeah. Hey, just hand a random thought, like, the Grand Inquisitor this episode. So final at part six, I really liked yeah. him. I still liked him. <laughs> I liked him in episode five when he shows back up. I liked him, I liked him this episode. His dialogue with Vader, he's respectful, yeah. and when Vader is insistent, he does not argue. He does not nope. pull like, a okay. Reva. Okay. <laughs> you know, okay. I will give my, I, I will I give my advice, but uh, it is up to you. And it's so like, I think funny. It, mm. I'm thinking it ahead to... It would be interesting to get an Inquisitor sh- series. I think that that concept is still solid. They just, A, need to get the right characters to focus on, and B, they also need to get like good writers-directors involved. But I think that an Inquisitor series could be really cool. They, they, this, this had the identity crisis of it was like part Inquisitor series, part Vader Obi-Wan series, part Leia, <laughs> part, part Reva. Like, it, it felt too too fragmented mm-hmm. but if you dated a solid just inquisitor show that'd be that'd be well, interesting here's here's something i'm gonna say that's gonna offend some people you're gonna be one of them um uh, this series makes me wish they have not they had not yet done rebels <gasps> i agree you agree i agree <laughs> because they then they them. could have done they could have done uh, mall in live action they That's, could, they could have, am, but they ripped I, off themselves. They ripped off. So, first of all, the Soka versus that, that Vader fight. Doesn't. It's yeah. it's a, like the best of this episode is their fight, and you rip you know do the mask off in the same way as Soka did, 
it's a little bit copying yourself, Disney. And, you know, there's blame there. But sure, I would have loved to see Ahsoka. That, I mean, I'm, I'm still glad we got both. But it just is a copy. And what else can you do? Well, I don't know. But you're right about the Kenobi stuff with versus Maul. And we also need, like, the Inquisitor show you're talking about. Only we basically know what happened to a lot of the... Now, there are some yeah. we don't know. But... Right. Rebels tells us what happened to a lot of them, including the Grand mm-hmm. Inquisitor. So, um, yeah, a show about them <clears throat> would not have the freedom to do whatever it wants to the way that an Andor show is going to have the freedom to do whatever yeah. it wants to. And Andor, because of that, like you've been pointing out how excited you are for this because it's really not tethered to so many characters that like people are going to be hesitant about touching their property or well you messed it up yeah and that freedom to not mess up leia not mess up luke or vader or obi-wan or whatever Mm -hmm. you know or even raven knows everything you know that freedom may show up and really benefit Andor. i hope it does so but inquisitors show they just need to stay away from the ones that we don't know introduce us these other sisters or brothers that we don't know and then what is the big tease like that we got in season two of of mandalorian the name drop that we all were like (gasps) thrawn remember that right oh right right yeah sorry okay what's the name drop that never got anything other than anything just a single mention in this show oh come on What's the name drop of a single Jedi that we got mentioned? Oh, oh, Quinlan Voss. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Quinlan yes. Voss. Sorry, I was trying to follow there, you there. Okay. Th- was there any reason for them to bring up that name? Uh, they're probably going to use him in something exactly. else eventually. So, so he would be the perfect target for an Inquisitor show where so, they're hunting yes. Quinlan Voss and he, like, slaughters all the Inquisitors that we don't know what happened to them. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And hopefully he doesn't die at the end of it. But if if for some reason, like, they just threw Quinlan Boss in there just to, like, let fans know, hey, he's still alive. And then they never mentioned it again. I'm going to be so upset. Like, but, you know, I'm we sure love this character. Like, this guy's well, awesome. We, they did they did throw a mention that he survived in the comics back in, like, 2016. <clears> so, <throat> like, the, the it's already been there. But this makes it, like, more official now. Like, not more official, but, like, more important so I do think that they're definitely setting it up um, for the future. Uh, but the uh, where I was also going to go is you were, you were talking about where the Andor series could go with this, and is that when when Mandalorian first came out, we were so excited about the volume and about how impressive it was that they could do all this show mm-hmm. using this simple concept of the of this you know screen that they use. And in Book of Boba Fett, I felt it was a bit of a hindrance at times, but it wasn't constantly. Here, it constantly, I felt the volume was hindering them. The sets were smaller. Mm -hmm. I was constantly feeling like, man, this could have been more cinematic. They could have had way more people in the shot, Mm -hmm. um, the crowds, things like that. And I think that um, Andor... Since they didn't use it at all, they used traditional green screens and traditional sets, and then they also used locations. I think that's really going to help um, uh, uh, Andor out because they'll be because already the trailer <clears throat> for Andor looked very cinematic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, so I think that's going to help it a lot. Which Bourne movie did um, the did he actually direct the uh, director uh, of the Andor series? 
Let me pull that up. I know he wrote like all of them, uh, or at least all, all but the favorite last one. My favorite of those three Bourne films was the third, The Ultimatum, but they're all so good. Um, worth a yes. rewatch. And I'm wondering if he wrote the third one, which was my favorite. Um, <clears throat> I will have that information in just a moment. <laughs> well, I, I think your point about the, the live action kind of sets is is very, very valid. Um, production value, things like that. I, it makes me wonder, though, like, we've been so high on the volume. Is this just that they're learning how to properly use it? They're really kind of figuring out when to and when not to? Because that... I mean, if you're designing a show, you're thinking to yourself, budget-wise, we'll just use the volume. We'll just use the volume. It comes a crutch. And they start to, like, yeah. need visionaries in there to take it and push it to the next level realistically. <clears throat> when they really need to say, for this episode, we're going to need both the volume and this other over here on set. Like, I think of, uh, you know, season uh, season two, episode five, right? Um, the tragedy yes. of Mandalorian. Yeah. Where they're out right. there on set in this like yeah with you know rocks and trees and the cast is like yeah there's like real snakes and stuff out here and you know (laughs) with the you know the meditation thing that they take grogu to wow that's that whole episode was just grand in its scope and size because of that yep um Mm -hmm. and, and you know i certainly love how they use the volume for like shots because absolutely we gotten great planet shots and great um Mm -hmm you know, above shots even, like, of the ships, like, approaching down to them to land. Those have been all yep. great. Um, and so it's tons of there variety, is a shot, but... There is a shot in here, in this episode, above Obi-Wan and Vader, that's a volume shot that works really well, where mm. it's, like, above them, and you see the two lightsabers going at it. Mm. Did you find the answer yet on the Bourne question? Yes. He wrote all of them, but he directed Legacy, which is the one without... Matt Damon in it. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so that was the one. I'm trying to think who was the actor who replaced. Um, uh, it's uh, Hawkeye. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. But he's not. But Tony Gilroy's not actually directing any of the. Um, he's the, just writing. Yeah. The Andor season. He's just yeah. writing uh, it with a. There, he has a team like here, but he's he's fully. Whereas Joby Harold was like kind of the showrunner here, but. From what from what I've read, he doesn't seem like he had like real vision, real control. He just was brought in to try to write the ship. We were talking Tony about Tony Gilroy. This is his series. Like Tony mm-hmm. is completely in charge of Andor. What he says goes. So well, I, I, that makes me excited. He earned that privilege when he saved Rogue One. Literally, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they brought him in and paid him a bunch of money, and he fixed the ending. And you know, therefore. That's why he was brought in for this show. But um, think about, too, like, uh, going backwards uh, yeah, yeah. to the whole, like, Joby Harold situation. Pre- pre-show, we were a little bit talking about this. The kind of original guy, what was his name? So Stuart Beatty. He was brought in as a, really, as a film script writer. And the script that they, that they had planned, obviously, for Kenobi. Man, how many years have we been talking about this? It was going to be a movie. And we've known this for a long, long time. Then all of a sudden, Disney was like, ah, it changed our minds. You're going to get longer, more. <laughs> and we we're all like, okay, fine, more. Um, I wonder if they'll, in retrospect, say, man, we should have done this a movie. But anyway, Joby Hero took the scripts, and he didn't, like, trash them. He was adapting them, right? So you're right. right he didn't have the control. Um, the interview that recently came out 
we don't have to go into detail about it, but the, you know, he originally talked about just some of the differences that he had. Um, we're talking about Stuart uh, Beatty is who we're talking about, um, the original scribe. Right? So I'm mm-hmm. interested in some of those things because it's not, it's like almost canon. Like the, what almost happened yeah. um, was this right. or that. And there are some things looking in that, like for instance, like they had Reva not knowing that Anakin was Vader. And I was like, that actually works better to me. But um, because then her motivation is she actually buys into the whole propaganda that the NPR is putting out that the Jedi were corrupted and tried to take over. So that's what right. she believes. And that the clones were the heroes because they came and took out the Jedi. So that's why she's obsessed with Kenobi. I'm like, mm, that would have worked better for me as a motivation. But for some yeah. other people, I don't know. Uh, what we got, I'm just kind of like, hmm. Her story kind of comes to the conclusion here. Um, <clears throat> I, I thought good acting from Moses Ingram with the tears, like her breakdown mm-hmm. scene. But the dialogue was questionable because, yeah, like, I, I failed them. Well, you were a kid running from your life for your life, you know. You didn't fail all these other kids. Like, you weren't responsible for them. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, that's kind of like, I mean, okay, Obi-Wan saying to Anakin, I have failed you. I have failed you. That works. That works. (laughs) Because he's literally his master. But Jar Jar saying to Anakin, Misa failed you. Misa failed you. <laughs> is the same as Reva saying, <laughs> saying to these others. Yeah, things. right. <laughs> that doesn't just, it just didn't carry this weight. It's like, mm, you're not the one who was responsible for Anakin's fall there, there, Jar Jar. Actually, maybe you were. Maybe you were. He was just so, <laughs> so annoyed with um, Darth Jar Jar. So talk about some of the stuff that did, some of this questionable. So the whole stuff, um, they're on this freighter to begin and they spend a lot more time than I think they should on this freighter. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Whenever they, I watch, I have done, I've done rewatches of this and I just skip, I skip, skip, skip through yeah. some of this. And like, that's the thing that brings this episode down is, is, and I don't know whose choice it was to like try and milk some of these moments in a, as opposed to others. Maybe they just wanted long, wrong time, but, um, Roken, this character, he really gets, not fairly treated or not fairly written. He needed some stuff to do instead of just talk about how yeah. the hyperdrive damaged and, oh no, we lost a pilot last episode or two episodes ago. Oh, we're right. in the rebellion now. Well, we get all these people. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was lacking to me. Did you feel that same thing? Yeah. I did too. Yeah. It's just, <sighs> you have to keep, you can, you can have filler as long as it's entertaining filler. This is why someone like Aaron Sorkin is such a good writer because there's so much filler in his episodes, but you're just, they're just so funny or they're just so sad or they like, they pull you in so well that you're okay with that. Whereas here it's just like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't needed something clever for either Roken or for Haja. Yeah. If Haja had been like, yeah, Haja. if he had had a funny but clever uh, kind of method to try and, you know, we're going to get some distance from Vader. We're going to, you know, instead of just like it comes down to a binary choice and Vader's like, well, I'm going to make the right. choice. Um, <clears throat> if it had been something and, and like that to buy some time, I would have felt like it was you know, more like we have. There's humor in all of the, the Star Wars movies. They have comic relief characters, Jar Jar. You have C-3PO and R2-D2 and there's others. But 
they didn't lean into Haja being the comic relief here. And mm-hmm. if they had, just to give him in, if he was in almost all the episodes, like imagine after episode two, he's like with them in every scene. Like he's constantly with, with them. Like he's just like tagging along. Mm-hmm. That would have worked so much better. But now it's just like, oh, Haja. Uh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's about it. Okay. Yeah. He kind of got, yeah. So I think too, do you know the uh, sequels are, are really, really known for a lot of like running scenes, a lot of high, uh, a lot of like, uh, like Rise of Skywalker is so so fastly paced at the beginning, especially. Yes. Oh like, my. Yes. It's the absolute opposite of this episode. Mm-hmm. Although I'll say Last Jedi was like they're running away for the whole movie. So the whole movie, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not that drawn out, but <laughs> it could have been more drawn out. It's like, oh no, they're catching up to us. We're running out of gas. It broke. Well, in at least in at least in the Last Jedi, you have a very effective. All right, we know there's three ships. Ah, oh, so the one ship they lost fuel, and so that starts going. Okay, they destroyed the third ship. All right, the second ship. All right, now it lost fuel. Now it's destroyed, and so you slowly see the gap being uh, coming together, and you see them losing fuel, and you see their options running out. Now they're in these escape pods. They have like there's nothing like they can't go to hyperspace in these escape pods. They they have to go to the uh, uh, to the planet now. Like you see their options dwindling. Here they're just they're just in the in the in the one ship the whole time. Yeah, and it doesn't and feel like their Vader's getting closer. So, as a writing pitch, like the whole binary choice that Vader makes between Obi Wan or the Rebels. Do you agree with that? Was that a good decision for them to put him in that position? I would have liked to have had Vader say, I'm going after Mm -hmm. Obi-Wan. You guys go after the others and then have someone like Haja who has no force powers. He'd have to like take up a lightsaber or, or, or Leia would have to guide him. Okay. Okay. I'm going to help you out uh, or something like that. Or I'm not sure how they would do it, but something like that, that would have been better as an intercut. Because you're splitting them up. Okay, now you have the two storylines. <clears throat> then having Reva, where it just she just comes out of nowhere. Or on, on Tatooine. And wait for it. Um, or Vader does of what he said. Vader goes off after Obi Wan. We get Grand Inquisitor leading the forces against them. And who could possibly come to the aid of Roken? Possibly Bail Organa with some. Rebel Alliance forces Rebel that are ships. Some, yeah, that would have been some some cool early well. just like not Mamma's but like just the ones that were from Alderaan and some of the Alderaan forces yeah. coming mm. and fighting and then we get a huge huge space battle and we cut between space yeah. battle and we and and the, the Obi Wan lightsaber. That, okay, <laughs> I I like that idea. I think that would have been much more much much more effective. And then, I know that everyone's feeling Ahsoka fatigue at points because they use her a little bit too much sometimes. They could have used in this situation, because she's already working with Bail Organa in her fulcrum capacity. She could have battled the Grand Inquisitor here. And so that's a way for that to happen. And then, of course, you have the Space Forces there. And that would be more entertaining. So there's 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 multiple ways they could have made that. But I like your pitch. That's I would I would have gone with that. Well, that's an interesting question, too. Because as much as people talk about Anakin and Ahsoka, and we really want Luke and Ahsoka to to, to yeah. just show the dialogue and show the, like, let's talk about Anakin. I'm going to tell you about him. I'm going to tell you what he was really like and, like, all these stories. And I'm going to mm-hmm. teach you about your father. And you remind me of him. All this stuff that's so meaningful to us. 
um, you know, she and Obi-Wan were close. They were close, very, very yeah. close. It would be in... Um, it would have been like Rosario somehow aged down probably a little bit. They could do some cool effects. She really would have worked fine oh, for me. They could have just, just cast uh, 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 Ashley Eckstein for that, for the younger version. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love Ashley. She's so sweet. But, um, yeah, it would, look, it would look different. But, yeah, it, <laughs> to bring in Ashley or to bring in an Ahsoka character in the yeah. Kenobi show, because she's already connected to the Inquisitors. It would mm-hmm. make it would make a lot of sense um, for her. It, it's just I, I I regret that they had this kind of Reva track because it, to me it was a character that didn't serve the purpose. I don't see the purpose that she really served. Like I I know that we needed somebody to kidnap. <laughs> we needed some way to get a, a, you know Obi Wan off the planet. Which you know maybe we could ask ourselves. You you and I both we read Kenobi. We talked about like. He doesn't leave the yeah. planet in the book, you know, and it was going to take something huge to get him off the planet. Like, so Which it did. So was this an acceptable reason to create Reva or could we have done a better reason to get him off planet? Uh, <clears throat> the person doing the kidnapping could have been better. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having Leia be kidnapped that that caused that's the impetus that causes Obi Wan to leave. Mm-hmm. That in and of itself is, is good. golden. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't need any changes to that concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was that's totally fine with me. Even though in my head canon, Obi Wan never leaves Tatooine the second he sets foot on it. But that's just me. Like, well, it's not canon. It's definitely as canon I said, head canon. The space that Obi Wan is in, Episode One, versus th- where he is at the end of this episode. Um, it was it was a, obviously an emotional journey. We wanted to see a character growth. We wanted to see like how does he go into this you know wise mentor that's also he's he doesn't show any kind of fear or depression as Alec Guinness version of the character in A New Hope. He may show mm-hmm. a little bit of like when he's thinking about the past and he's thinking about Anakin, right? Like, you know, but it's definitely not what we saw from. Oh, you know, Ewan's performance in episode one, which was very mm-hmm. distraught to the point he's given up telling the other, you know, this other Jedi who finds him like that poor dude. He just got like written off immediately and died. Um, but where he is now at the end of this is a great place. He's in a wonderful place. Yep. The best place ever. Um, they just had to break canon a little bit with um, the Force Ghost, which George had said that Qui-Gon was not able to fully you know, manifest as a force ghost. And so we have, now he, mm-hmm, now he yeah. does. So it's, it's like, ah, oh, well, he wasn't able to at that point. Um, uh, that's how we spackle it. Uh, in, in the, uh, the first, from a certain point of view, short stories, there is one, um, featuring Qui-Gon, uh, during the events of a new hope. And Qui-Gon is talking with Obi-Wan, basically prepping him saying, Hey, look, this, this might be your last hurrah going with Luke on this thing. You might have to sacrifice yourself. And Obi-Wan's basically like, I'm not sure. Uh, maybe I will, but I'm not, sh- I'm, not, I'm not totally convinced. And they have conversations back and forth, full, full force ghost. Like, it's actually him. So we'd already, and this isn't, they, they had already said this is like canon adjacent, but like we'd already seen that they can do something with a full force ghost at some point in the, later on in the timeline. So it worked for me that they would show Qui-Gon here. Mm. I mean, I'm glad they did, honestly. It's one of the, 
the oh, happiest yeah. time that they've <laughs> that they've ever broken the canon to me. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> and I'm very glad that he ended up getting, you know, the, uh, getting back to the Obi Wan of the Clone Wars, and mm-hmm. and as much as you think about the Jedi, doesn't Obi Wan like exemplify the, you know, he's he's a fatherly figure to so many people, he's a helper, he's a mentor, he's he's kind. He's sacrificial. He is. Mm-hmm. He's a hero, but he, he's thoughtful. He's somewhat soft-spoken, um, and he does. He does whatever he's asked to do. He he's just an example of this like all-around Jedi. That if you're going to point to somebody, I think he's just one of the people everybody thinks of. That like the best all-around Jedi is Obi Wan. You know, mm. Yoda. Yeah, uh, as great. I'd as say Qui Gon for me well, is above him, but well, yeah. <clears throat> And and a lot of people would say that too, and I, I would say Qui Gon. Sure, he's he's every bit as good. He might be better. He he died to someone that you know Obi Wan defeated, so he may <laughs> not be he may not be as good, but he certainly is well, is I'm more wise in, in like, some ways. But yeah, I was, I was saying good as in like, like morally good, like character good. Yeah, Qui Gon's more morally good. I like too that Obi Wan, and this is kind of deep lore, but he's born with lower midichlorian force count potential than the average mm-hmm. Jedi. You know, the fact that he's able to achieve what he does is after a lot of failure and not becoming an yeah. apprentice until later to be accepted at a much later age, to be promoted to knight at a later age, to be someone mm-hmm. that like was passed over so many times that to achieve what he did. It's really impressive. And the fact that he was you know, on the council and the fact that in this episode, the the guy with the most force potential of all gets like rock blasted in the face. by. So what do you think about that, by the way? So I mean, I'm talking about, it's, it's, you know, you know, the scene. Yeah. Where he throws yeah. like 50 rocks right at Vader. Um, that doesn't bother me because, uh, uh, as Star Wars theory, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother point, me. Uh, as 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 always, fond of pointing out um, that uh, there's the really good book, uh, Dark Lord: The Rise of Darth Vader, which has a sort Obi Wan Qui Gon. I mean, I mean Obi Wan uh, uh, Vader scene. But that book discusses how Vader losing his limbs lost him a lot of his mini chlorians. Like a, a, a ton of them, which is why mm-hmm. yeah. he's so much weaker. Even though he got arms back and legs back, he's still force-wise weaker than he used to be. He's just more rageful. He's just more, more, more. Hey, I'm gonna go do this. He's more determined now. And so for me, him and Obi Wan being on a level playing field is okay now, because Obi Wan wins in Revenge of the Sith because of wit. Because um, he's smarter than than Anakin, here he's able to win because he's actually on the same level brute force wise. He's just so. It seems like he's able to win here the way they paint it, um, because he's faster, and he's not yeah. reliant on the suit. Even though maybe the yeah. suit protects Vader, it's also his weakness. And it's when mm-hmm. that suit, like, like Obi Wan takes the hilt the pommel and beats it into Vader's chest. And you hear the same like wheezing instead of the normal breathing immediately. Almost the same that we saw in like, um, 
or Return of the Jedi when his suit right. is starting to fail. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> at that moment, like, Vader's beat. You take his suit and you even damage it a little bit and he's stuck. And there's a lot of, like, I know Star Wars Theory loves to talk about all the things about the suit and how it was built, like, with some of the components to specifically weaken Vader. Like, by the Emperor as, like, a punishment for failing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's that to think about. And I'm not, I'm not upset that Vader, or that, that Vader lost to Obi-Wan here because um, in this moment, Obi-Wan is, is triumphing inwardly in a way that he has something to fight for again. He's found mm-hmm. his, he's like, he's reawakened. He's like somebody who's just like experienced a salvation on the, on the, on the inside. And he's right. like, he's, he's been dead for so long and he's just come back alive, you know? And he is just rolling. Um, <clears throat> and of course the, there has been an awakening. Yeah. Have you felt it? <laughs> yes. He, he has, <laughs> he has drank his coffee as they say. No. Um, <laughs> That's not what I would wake it to. Cool, Dr. Pepper guy, but the the scene is one of the probably on screen. It's one of the most impressive offensive displays of the Force in any film from a Jedi. From a yeah. Jedi for sure, and it makes me think to Yoda, who says a Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. Right. What would he say to Obi Wan in these moments where Obi Wan's like? Well, he's defending himself. <laughs> Sometimes the best defense is, is a good, good offense. offense. That's what you'd have, what, what you'd have to phrase it right. Sometimes that's how, that's how, that's how Qui-Gon offense, would say that. Uh, sometimes offense, the best defense is. <laughs> would, that, would, would that be the accurate? Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's one of those, like, Luke has so many questions about the Force. He's always asking stuff like, and I feel like the read or the the watcher, we're always wondering the same thing. Like, is the dark side stronger? Like, he's always asking mm. Yoda these things, and Yoda as this mentor is just like, ah, patience. You have no pain, yeah. <laughs> but it, you know, no, no. The dark side is not stronger. It's just quicker and easier, more seductive. You get more power, you know, initially. But a master of the of the light side will be more powerful than a master of the dark, and that's mm-hmm. what we see here. We see. We see Vader, oh my gosh, of course if he had stayed with the light side, he could have been more powerful than Yoda, than Sidious, than anybody, period. Mm-hmm. And, and if because he fell to the dark, the, all of the flesh that he lost and everything, he just he, he sacrificed all of that. So um, anyway, was, did you have any issue with, with uh, Vader, or sorry, with, with Kenobi being buried? Or like, not issue, but... I thought, as somebody who's a little bit claustrophobic, I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this not good. This is not good. <laughs> I'm just like, you're buried under like tons and tons of rocks. You're like, okay, how am I ever going to get out of here? This is, nope, I'm dead. And this is not going to be pain, or this is not going to be comfortable. I liked that scene. I, I, th- I, th- I thought that was a really well shot. Yeah, really I, interesting, I too. executed scene. Um, yeah. As far as the fight, talk, talk about the fight for a second. Like, I think the choreography, as you were, you were talking about, the choreography was really good. Uh, the music was fine. 
Um, uh, and uh, they got the right emotion out of it, even though they stole from Rebels. I'm perfectly okay with that because I thought it worked really well for them, and I liked the way that they blended the James Earl Jones uh, respeacher voice with um, uh, Hayden Christensen's. I thought that was very well done. Um, uh, didn't like the shaky cam, but that's really... I don't, I don't have that much on the, the action scene. That didn't... Well, I'll answer yeah. your question from t- last episode. I am happy that they used Hayden in the advertisements. It okay. was warranted. <laughs> it was justified now. It was warranted. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I absolutely, like, his face was, was kind of, like, smirking behind the mask as yep. he gives the, the most meaningful dialogue. I think the dialogue that really sets Kenobi free as he's talking about, yeah. like, um, you didn't. You didn't kill uh, Anakin Skywalker. I did. You told. Uh, you told me uh, Vader <laughs> betrayed and murdered my father. That's literally what he told me. That's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they they like they write themselves. They set that up, even though fans have been joking about that for years, and we've even got a book called From a Certain Point of View, uh, or yeah. book, several books. But yeah, yeah. That. Um, that acting and there's a lot like you think oh shouldn't I thought like you know the whole Vader voice was because he could only whisper but like Hayden is very he's struggling to speak it's not like he's he's you know yelling those it's all of his effort to speak those words it's it's barely above a whisper and the voice Mm -hmm. effect is still in there Um, Hayden did a great job acting those scenes and like just seeing his face inside of that mask, inside of that helmet. Like, it's ingrained in my head now in a way that, like, I would say before now, I would, I would be able to picture, like, David Prowse under the, under the helmet only in, like, only in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Mm, yeah. Um, just because I know what he looks like, and that's who I guess what the face would be under the mask. <clears throat> right. Um... And he did. A, he was like he was Vader. Uh, all yeah. of the acting was all David Prowse. But like, I except never, for when they took the mask off. Yeah, except for that. And I never pictured Hayden under there until now. Now, until now. I will see his face in like OT Vader. I will see his face behind the mask. I will see that that eye. You know, that's interesting. More so than yeah. I like after Rebels, obviously because it's animation, so it's not quite the yeah. same. Yeah. But yeah, it, it wasn't the same. <clears throat> but yeah, I thought that the Vader was just so well handled here, and that was kind of the clutch. Is if they messed up Vader, then they were in trouble. You can't mess yeah. up him. Obviously, Kenobi was important. They they got the main stuff right. They and, they and made they us love get... young Leia. They she's yeah. great, and they got Palpatine right. That was oh, that was a good. It was can very we short. talk about that scene? That was a really good scene. Oh. I, I did enjoy that one. And it, it was just right. It, it, it wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. They didn't do too, too, too much or too little. It so I already just, texted just, you my thoughts on this. Like, did you interpret it yeah. the same way that I did? That he was just, like, really PO'd with Vader. That well, yeah. Vader so was, like, so, losing such such. Uh, Vader, at uh, the start focus. of the scene, is like, we will not stop. All the probes will search, and we will find him. And then... Like, this whole thing, you could just see, uh, you know, the mentor slash boss that, that Palpatine is. Oh, yeah. he, is, he is sensing a he's, lot he's of... the alpha dog. A lot of um, just apprehension in Vader. And he's, this whole time, he's just like, 
waiting for him to finish so that Palpatine can calm yeah. him down and be like, yeah. I wonder <laughs> if your thoughts are clear. <laughs> and that's when Vader's like, oh, crap. <laughs> it's like when you're about to get a lecture, a lecture from right. your parents. And, yep. Uh, <clears throat> yep, you're like, oh, I have done it now. And he's like, wait, I'm sorry. My allegiance is to you. Kenobi means nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, and it, perhaps, you know, perhaps your former master, your thoughts about him have left you weakened. Oh, man. Teasing him. Uh yeah, super, super scene great scene. Great. I loved it. Really, really perfect setup for everything to come. It was well written. Uh, Bail Organa reuniting yeah. with, uh, with his daughter. And of they course the- redoing the shot from the first episode where she's putting together her outfit. But instead, she looks, she's using the outfit that she acquired when Kenobi saved her remember Mm -hmm. in episode two when he's buying her all the stuff Mm -hmm. well she puts all that on she has the holster on Mm -hmm. she has the it's like it's showing the transformation that she's not just the princess she's also the 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 kind of warrior leader that she's starting to become in the Mm -hmm. later later movies so uh oh do you think what did what did leia learn what did like what character growth did she go through through this series uh I would say that she learned that she can't just sit idly by on stuff. She has to take action. Um, she also has the, well, no one else is going to do it, so I need to do it. Um, she, she starts getting that at times, like on the ship and on the, um, uh, on the, uh, in the last episode, you know, she goes up and she takes charge and she's willing to, to go up and fix the, fix the bay doors so I'd say that she's she's learning to take charge when when she needs to in this series. Hmm. In episode four, it seems like Leia is, well, obviously a little bit frustrated with her rescuers not doing things the way that she would yeah. have done them. <laughs> you know, so she's right. like, somebody's got to save our skins, you know, <laughs> and yeah. she's like just doing everything herself. Um, maybe that is is a is a little bit down the line version from this. She guys, I've done this before. I know what it means to be captured. You don't. I know how to escape. Okay, this is this is small potatoes. Mm -hmm. And even (laughs) the scene when she's tortured, when the probe droid comes in, like super calm about it. I the original. If you watch that episode, there's definitely a look of fear that Leia has, Mm -hmm. and Vader himself walks in the room. But I wonder now how much of that was maybe her just pretending. Uh, because she's like, well, fared. yeah, or just yeah, just pretending to be afraid because she's like, ah, I've been tortured before, you know, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Do you? I've been tortured before. It didn't scare me then. Uh, it does now. Yes, you will take us to the black gate. <laughs> yeah. oh, okay. That's not where I was going. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> You've been there before. No, I was going somewhere else. I was going to load a <laughs> So, so what would you rate the episode? That's a good question. I've been to- like teetering back and forth. Like, oh, like honestly, I would rate this episode higher without certain scenes in it. Like, I'm just yes. like, cut out this, cut that out. The second half of the episode, like the ending, is mm, is nearly a solid, nearly a ten for me. Uh, the first half of the episode is, is like, 
maybe a five or six. <laughs> That's why I'm like, oh, yep. oh. <laughs> but when you give me Qui-Gon Jinn, when you give yes. me this reuniting scene with Obi-Wan and Leia where he talks, tells her about Anakin and Padme and, you yeah. know, Kenobi's all happy. We get... When when we get Kenobi meeting Luke and saying hello there, hello there. When we get <laughs> this super epic scene with Palpatine and Vader, we get this super epic duel between Obi Wan and Kenobi, where mm-hmm. Kenobi just he's down, he's gonna lose. Oh, he's back. Oh, he's daring Vader apart. Oh, he's winning. Oh, listen to this dialogue. It's just so good. Um, mm-hmm. I feel all of that stuff is enough to raise whatever garbage pit. And I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. So. Oh, we're very close. I'm going to say an 8.8. Okay. So, yep. Very, very good final episode. Uh, the question is, as you have pointed out, where should I rank it in this series overall? Do you and want me to go first so that, uh, so that you have time <clears throat> to formulate everything? Yes. You, you've made a list... Already, I my my list is in my head, and mm. I just have to decide right now what is my top. So I'll let you go. Are you going to go in reverse order? I would presume. Yeah, I'm going to go in so, reverse. So what's uh, the, the what's on the, the lowest end? The bottom number six. At the bottom is part three for me. Um, there's some cool stuff with Vader in that scene, but in that in that episode. But even then, the cool stuff with Vader didn't and it's didn't short. move up for me, and it was short. And there were some cool reveals about the Jedi and stuff, but that episode, as I went back, I was like, that's the one I wouldn't, wouldn't go back to watch necessarily, except for that one scene where Vader's kill, like, going through and choking everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, then my number five out of the six is going to be part two. Really good episode. Um, I, I, really, I really still enjoy it. Um, it just doesn't have that much awesome stuff in it, um, which is why I would put it lower. Then number four for me is part four, which I really enjoyed part four. Oh, I loved all the the Jedi Fallen Order flash, or I mean callbacks. I loved all the running through the obstacles to get to Leia and then getting her out. I loved all that. Um, So, and then I loved uh, um, Indira Varma's character. Uh, She just, her just like basically going to what she thinks is going to be her death. Uh, by going to meet with Riva. That mm-hmm. was a great sequence. So that's my number th- four. Mm-hmm. Number three is the finale. Um, uh, wow. I, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the second half of the finale, as you said, but the first half just dragged it down for me. And I love seeing Qui-Gon, one of my favorite parts of the show. Love seeing uh, Palpatine. Love the p- elements of the fight, but just didn't love it. Uh, then my number two is part five. I still will hold my favorite action sequence of the series is in part five when Vader first pulls down the ship and crashes it, mm-hmm. and then when he fights Reva. <clears throat> Even though I don't like the music in that sequence, I like the actual fight itself. I really like that fight. Um, and that episode I thought was really well executed and finally gave us a lot of answers that we wanted. It was a very much a payoff episode. And then, of course, my number one, is the premiere? I just cause cause you, you give me Alderaan, I'm gonna love I'm gonna love it. So I loved all the Alderaan stuff. Loved the Tatooine. The first episode had a mesh of the Alderaan stuff that I liked, but also like the traditional what you'd expect a Kenobi show to be like. 
I just didn't so. like the chase scene in episode one. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, with the yeah, uh, that is that's one of those uh, just eh, I, I, take it or leave it. I didn't I didn't care, but I, yeah. I know it bothered a lot of people. <laughs> you know, it's a great list. It's for me, it's going to be very very similar. But there's a, the toughest question is like, do you put an episode like episode one, which is a good rewatch beginning to end, like? Do you put that ahead of episode six, which has all these overall way better moments, but is also dragged yeah. down by a few things? And like episode five, which has super great Vader stuff, but also a lot of like sitting around and walking around and like talking through a doorway or, you know. <clears throat> so, okay. For me, I agree with you about episode three. Unfortunately, that's the that's the worst. I think most people agree with that. That was the one when we saw it live. There was a lot of outrage. There was a lot of like, what? What is this? <laughs> like, why didn't why didn't Vader do this? Why didn't like Obi Wan right. was so weak? He just ran away. What was this? What was that? Like, it was just mm. there was a lot of the fandom that at that moment we were torn. Episode four didn't do much better, but it had visually so much better stuff. Um, so I would put just just above it episode four and then two for me. And that's where we get to, I think I'm going to put episode five. Mm. And, that's, and then I'm going to go at part one and then I'm going to go part six as my favorite. Gotcha. So well, our general, uh, we're generally in the same. We have the same <clears throat> feelings about the same episodes. It's just where they specifically go is a bit different. Yeah, I didn't have like my favorite wasn't part three or any, and you, that was your least favorite. We didn't have anything <laughs> like that. So nah, yeah, nothing I think, like that. I think we're, but see if I could like, I, if I go back and rewatch, I'm like, oh, I want to watch the Vader fight. So I'm gonna go back and watch episode six, or I want right. to watch it. I want to watch the Vader versus Reva fight again, and I'm gonna go back and watch yeah. episode five. Part five. Um, like, okay, am I gonna go back and be like, yeah, I really want to watch, uh, the first fight where Obi-Wan just runs away from Vader. You know, I'm like, yeah, well, I'll watch no. the clip of that. Uh, what else happened in that episode? I just, uh, just remember the, some walking around on a planet, like, looks like yeah. Earth. I remember, like, the Zach, uh, what's Zach his name? Zach Braff character. Zach Braff character. Oh, yeah, there was the, there was the guy who got, the Stormtrooper who got cut in half. Yeah, okay. cut in half. That was a, whoa! <laughs> you could, you could do that in live action? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, somebody's got their uh, dismemberment mods turned on on the old on Star, <laughs> Star Wars Jedi Outcast because you're not allowed to cut off limbs, you know. And then you turn that quote on, you're like, oh, allow dismemberment. Okay, now we can slice <laughs> off arms of stormtroopers. This is a lot more fun, um, right? <laughs> yes. So I, I don't. There's nothing coming to my mind that we that we missed out on talking with. I think we got. Yeah, I um, think we got everything. I, I will say, like, Qui-Gon is, is like, he, him being teased here had to happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was like such a huge payoff. Like, I, we knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And we also knew that it had to be handled right. If he had shown up in the Vader fight, it would have been weird. But what he said was, I've been here all along. You just weren't ready to mm-hmm. see me. Yeah. And and believe it or not, to me, I shared with you a, a a TikTok that I really enjoyed about that, like a parallel 
to like people who fall away from their relationship, like if they have a, a relationship right. in Christianity with the Lord. And then mm-hmm. God himself is like, I've been here all of the time waiting for you to right. come back to me. I just thought that was a kind of a beautiful parallel. I wonder if, yep. uh, if Qui-Gon was there giving Obi-Wan pa- like strength in those weak moments. He just did not want to receive it or accept it or didn't know how. And that's maybe that's what him, gave him a boost in the Vader fight. Hey, we just, we just didn't see. That's also a good idea. Uh, we just didn't see. Um, so, anyway, this has been a great uh, discussion, a great episode. I've enjoyed talking about it with you. Um, we will have some some filler stuff over the summer, and then we'll be back yeah. with Andor in the fall, and then Bad yeah. Batch Our after that. Our filler is much better than... Uh, <laughs> than <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely some fun stuff. We'll probably get back yeah. in. I want to do some more um, Clone Wars. Uh, yeah. Like two season, get back into those. Like episode reviews, and uh, especially uh, maybe even some Rebel ones. I watched Empire Day the other day. <laughs> oh, I love Empire Day. That's that's a good. Someone clipped that music and they put it on YouTube, and I love it. It's great. I'd like to hear that in live action. Um, hey, I'd like to. Andor, I'd like to adapt if, that. If they do throw that in Andor somewhere and have like an Empire Day, oh my gosh, that mm. like if they're gonna how many episodes? That'd be cool. Are we confirmed for twelve? Twelve. Okay. Yeah. There's gonna be a lot more time for them to. To, build to just now, yeah. there's also the poten- more potential for duds. They they might have some some duds up in there, but they have much more potential to hit more high notes. Mm. So I'm excited for that. By Let's the way, the I texted you this, but we got uh, Shadow of the Sith just came out. I finished it. It was a very interesting read, and I think it will be very much talked about in the fandom because. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack. It's one of the longest Star Wars books ever written. Uh, for the canon, it is the second longest Star Wars canon novel. Ooh. So, yeah, uh, just edged out uh, uh, the third Alphabet Squadron book, which was not good, and uh, <laughs> but is way behind the last Timothy Zahn novel, which was like 550 pages. That hey, speaking crazy. of novels, you yes. ne- you need this is your homework assignment. You need to. Tweet and pester John Jackson Miller until we get <laughs> until we get some kind of uh, acknowledgement from him. What he thinks of the Kenobi show ending with with Qui-Gon. oh he's actually um, uh, he actually has talked about it. Uh, he he liked it. He thought yeah. it was good. Uh, he just thought that he still holds that for what he was wanting to do with his with, with his book. It just doesn't. It it didn't match with what he wanted for his novel. But for the show, it worked fine for him. Uh, I disagree about the novel ending, but <laughs> I'm just gonna in my head. I'm gonna go straight from the novel ending straight to the show ending and put that instead. Yes, <laughs> as yes, the last exactly. scene of the book. Exactly, it works. That's it works. the last word scene of the book. Word, word, <laughs> word for, for word. Don't have to change anything. Perfectly. Yep. Don't have to change anything. <laughs> yep. Just just take it and flip it right over to the next page. Hey, cool. We'll have to do a. <laughs> We will have to do a uh, another a book review of something. I'll have to we'll have to think maybe maybe a legends book perhaps or a, or or another canon book. But oh, I've got an audible and, credit, so I am I am still working on Brotherhood, um, yeah. but I have not been reading it lately. I uh, yeah, you've been was stuck in the middle of it, but um, yeah. So that that's one we haven't reviewed that on the podcast yet. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, we, it's been a while since we could, I read it now. We could possibly <laughs> get Trent or Mike or someone to to yeah. come and talk about that book with us once we're all finished, or I'm, I'm sure finished. they would. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. We'll get some good stuff this summer. Um, yeah. Had, had a fun time. You want to roll out the closing announcements? Sure. You can find us on Simplecast, iTunes, uh, Google Play, uh, on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and Stitcher. You can find us on uh, Facebook, Two Sons of Tatooine. And you can find my YouTube channel, Jonathan Cohn, where I talk about all things books. And then you can also find specifically my Star Trek book <clears throat> reviews in a written format on Roku Depot. But until next time... I'm Jonathan. And I'm Nathan. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tattooing.